Hello there, everyone. This is Julie Mochin, and you are listening to The Translator, brought to you by RiskPro, where wealth tech and reg tech converge. This is episode 11, and if you're not familiar with RiskPro, I'm going to give it to you really quick. RiskPro is the universal translator of risk. Anyone who deals with investor portfolios should take a look at RiskPro and what it can do because it, it literally has the ability to put everyone on the same page when it comes to what the investor really wants. Everything that you need to know about it, you can click through on the show notes and more. Not everything that you need to know, but Jeff Olson, the president of RiskPro, um, his number's listed. Give him a buzz. He would love to talk to you because... This is November, and get this, from now until the end of the year, if you are an InvestNet customer, enterprise utilizing InvestNet, you can get a free extended test drive of RiskPro for everybody at your firm. So you can't go wrong. It can't hurt. No strings attached. Crazy not to. All right, let's get to our guest. This is a very timely conversation, I believe, because Recently, I've been reading everywhere and watching on television about the labor market. It's, it's since the pandemic, things have gotten super weird in a lot of different ways, right? I'm not talking inflation. I'm not talking supply chain. I'm talking the labor market because it seems that people are not going back into the labor market necessarily that quickly for whatever reason I won't get into. But the ones that are in positions currently, one out of four are looking to move to a different job or a different career path. They realized the pandemic changed them somehow so that whether or not they realized that they needed more family time or they were looking inward and wanted to do something else with their life, we'll see those statistics eventually come out. Again, the bottom line is they don't want to continue to do what they were doing. And my guest today is someone that had those thoughts, but for him it was more of an epiphany. 10 or 12 years ago, where he was a very successful financial advisor, but something took place in his life that triggered a look inward and changed the lives of many people around him. And he's doing a fantastic job of serving others. Plus, he's a great advisor and uses Risk Pro. So he's our guest. His name is Doug Eagle. He's from Eagle Retirement Plans in Valencia, California. Grew up in San Diego. There are lots of things that you'll find in the show notes about Doug because he has a spectacular, eclectic career. And so I urge you to check him out and let's talk to him. Doug Eagle of Eagle Retirement Plans, welcome today to The Translator. Thank you so much for being here. Really happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Doug, you're our first guest on The Translator that is an advisor. We've had guests in the past that are either CEOs or chief operating officers that told us about how they're using RiskPro from the compliance side or back office side, and you're using it as an advisor on the front end. So could you tell us a little bit about that? We use RiskPro as part of our risk mitigation with regards to investments. So BriskPro has become a pretty large part of our onboarding process and ongoing management with client portfolios. 
got sizable book of clients that have been with us 25, 30, in some cases, more than 35 years. Uh, they started with us when they were new teachers. Uh, my former partner was a school teacher and he got into this business because his dad was basically portfolio guy. He, he managed stocks and different things for his clients. So he got into helping with 403B plans. And that's how the business started in 1981 as a 403B office, working with school districts up and down the state of California. All right. Many people may not know exactly what a 403B is. Um, Anyone that works at a university knows what it is, but can you expand on just what that is? A lot of folks are very familiar with 401k plans for for for-profit companies. 403Bs are there for the nonprofits, the school districts, and churches. When the office started in 1981, the portfolios and how my partner and eventually I w- were trained was how do you mitigate risk in a portfolio? And we would do individual bonds, bond funds, and alternatives, things that are non-correlating to the stock market. And so what we would do is say, okay, let's just take a 50-50 example and say half the money's in the stock market, half's in bonds or something getting 5 or 6% total return, right? Your blended returns around about a seven. Okay, pretty simple math. So Every time we would work with a client, we'd say, okay, how much risk are you willing to take on your portfolio? But it was more from a macro standpoint, meaning stock market investment, non-stock market investment. So then fast forward to 2013, somewhere around there, met up with RiskPro and they started showing me how this tool is built. So it was a very natural progression to go ahead and move forward with RiskPro. Because now I can go from a macro level analysis of a portfolio down to the micro. And and as I tell the clients, it's almost like having a surgeon's scalpel on a portfolio. I can very specifically say I want 22.45% in large cap value or 10% in growth or whatever. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Um, But I could do that very surgically using RiskPro as my tool to build and maintain and monitor their portfolios. What was your conversation like? So if you didn't use RiskPro in your business and then you bring this software on board and the conversation, does it change? Was it easy? Get into that a little bit. It'll be a simple conversation because as I mentioned earlier, up until RiskPro, it was more of a macro level right? How much stock market versus bond or non-stock market investments. That's pretty macro. It's pretty high level, but now they're able to surgically dissect a portfolio and determine down to a 10th of a percent how much they want in each asset class and to show the clients that look, and let me back up a little bit. It actually exposed some of our biases, so my bias was more towards large cap value and more con- a little more conservative. So what it did is actually opened me up to say, okay, look, I'm a little too conservative. I need to maybe add some more growth or maybe some more small caps into it because our portfolios, as I looked back, didn't have as much small cap exposure to it that, that it probably could have had in previous years. So to be able to show them, hey, look, You've been very happy with what we've done. It's been more of a macro level in terms of how we build the portfolio. Now we're going to get down into the micro levels. We're really going to slice and dice this up and put it into so many different asset classes. And yet we can still maintain your risk tolerance that you've been comfortable with 
because you may still keep the same 50% allocation, but now we're going to allocate more of that 50% towards small cap and even mid cap. And they were very pleased. As a matter of fact, I actually forced every single couple to come into the office and I said, look, we're going to do this and I'm not going to do it unless both of you are here because I want the wife to understand what risk is there. Because if you pass away, she needs to know what's going on. So I want her to know right now. So they. All right. Let me stop you and ask a quick question, because I've seen a change over the years in how spouses treat that conversation, whereas in the past, one spouse either not listening or, you know, one took care of the investing, one took care of the checking or whatever. It's changing a little bit. So can you give us an example of what demographic you're mostly dealing with? I had my 70-year-old couples coming in, right? As a matter of fact, I remember this in particular. Um, the wife was a school teacher. The husband was a district attorney. So we're working with them. So I bring them in and they kind of looked at each other. They're going through this. And she looked at them going, are you kidding me? How much risk did we have? You know, but she understood it. She walked away and goes, oh, I get it now. That's how much risk is in our portfolio. This is the range of returns, so on and so forth. She walked away very comfortable now. Oh, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but here's another thing that I forgot to ask. So let's say there's two people sitting in front of you and one of them acted like they knew what you were talking about. And the other one was like, well, I don't understand this, but I'm just going to go with what my spouse or partner says. And I guess my question is, did you ever feel like the person who was, quote unquote, supposed to understand what you were talking about didn't actually understand either? And they were maybe too proud to just say, hey, I don't know what you're saying or I, I don't get it. Can you say that again? Do they get it now or did they, or are you asking if they got it beforehand? Both ways, before Risk Pro and after Risk Pro. Both ways. Beforehand, no, we would talk to them about it. It was hard to conceptualize because it was just, you know, sometimes I felt like I was Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 <laughs> right? That they're not getting it. Even though I'm explaining it, I'm showing them the math and I'm running the math. They're just not getting it. And I'm going to say that's everyone, but. I'd say that the majority we're not understanding. Now with the tool, they can see. And what's really interesting is I, I actually do the building of the portfolio right in front of them. What they're seeing is how just a little bit of a change in some aspects of the portfolio changes their risk. So they actually like sitting there watching as I go through it. Now, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer depending on what's going on with the portfolio. But some of them I've been able to sit there and they're like, oh, you're not going to get it to the dollar. And I'm like, you want a 200,000 downside risk, right? They're like, yeah, but it's 199, 198 is fine. And I make one little twitch in, in the adjustment of the portfolio and boom, we're at 200 exactly where they want. And they're like, oh, okay, I see how that works. And I said, that's how I'm able to take that scalpel and slice and dice that portfolio to get it exactly where you want. And that's you monitoring me now. We now have an agreement and that's how I know to monitor and manage your portfolio. And you can rest assured that that's how it's going to be done. And it's not just me deciding what we're buying and what we're selling, you know, for whatever reason. It's There's a specific reason for what we're doing and it's filling a need within your portfolio to achieve what you want to accomplish within your portfolio. 
I love the fact that you found with Risk Pro that you were being a little too conservative in portfolios and that you maybe didn't think to pick up some different types of securities thinking that they were too aggressive and not realizing because you didn't have the algorithm to show you and catch volatility in places where maybe you wouldn't think it was. And in other cases, how do I want to say this? Where certain investments get a bad rap because for whatever reason in the past they were too volatile, but Risk Pro picks that up, meaning that something could look to be very volatile and maybe have high growth and low volatility. Hey, Doug, I talked to Jeff about this. I think you build models. Tell us how you build models or tell us a little bit about your models in your business that helps you save time and how you use Risk Pro that way. Well, and we even kind of change things up a little bit as we pick indices to represent asset classes because a lot of I get clients that want to include individual stocks and some different things in the portfolio. Well, if I have just their individual investments listed and we change it, I got to go and get a new signed document. So what we've done is we've uh, put in asset indices that represent that class. So if they're talking investments and we want to change things up, or if I get a bad manager and I realize, hey, I want to change out this fund and go from this fund to that fund, I can do that wholeheartedly across the board with every client. I can wholesale change out one and pick up another one, and I've not changed anybody's risk at all. Now, we tend to be a little more client-centric, and I don't have eight models built already because what I have found is volatility changes and I pick up new clients, the volatility may have gone down. So it may have gone down in just the last three or four months, right? And if I had the same allocation that it was four months ago, so I like to specifically have an allocation that's built for that client at the time they're joining us. So they're getting the current volatility with their specific risk tolerance. So it ends up being a little bit customized for them um, than maybe some others uh, where they're just using some, uh, you know, six or eight different models or even 10 models. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. And there's always tax situations as well, obviously, in taxable accounts, whether someone has something they've been holding on to a long time with. Uh, significant capital gains or whatever the case is, you have to customize to a certain extent. Yeah. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about 403Bs. I don't remember the year that this happened, but I know that 403Bs used to be this different sort of animal in the tax-exempt market. And things changed a couple of years ago. And I'm saying a couple of years ago, it's probably <laughs> 15 years ago, whenever it was, but things changed. And now 403B plans are much more similar to a 401k plan in structure. I want to understand though, what you're doing in that space, the 403B space. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. 403Bs have really gone through a metamorphosis since 2009 when all nonprofits, school districts, churches, uh, they all had to in some form or fashion, have a plan document or some way to monitor the contributions. Yeah, there's some shady things that can happen if there's not a plan document, obviously, and if someone's not monitoring contributions. But you saw a need in a certain sector or a certain part of a nonprofit world that was being underserved, and you did something about it. Can you tell us that story? Actually, it started in 2008. I had an uncle that passed away unexpectedly from a heart attack. And he was a pastor in Ohio. And so I, you know, I was back and forth there a few times and he passed away. And, and I kind of looked at what I just kind of started taking 
stock of what I'm doing, right? I'm building these portfolios for wealthy people. Um, I, His life had an effect on you, right? It did, yeah. And, and I wanted to be a pastor at one point um, at a high school, went to school hoping to do that. And God took me on a different kind of different journey. But um, anyway, wrestled with the Lord for about a year. And this is all I'm going to do is build portfolios for you know wealthy people and, and doing this. Um, I've been serving at the church in various capacities with men's ministries and treasury and all bunch of different things. Anyway, um, it was 2009 that a friend of mine who is or was at the time a an administrative pastor for a church that we were attending in San Diego before we moved up to Valencia. And he asked if I was aware of the 403B9 church plans that were out there. And and I was, I just so happened for the previous four or five years, I was working with the pastors of our church with their plan, kind of helping them manage it and, and nomination. So I helped them with it, understood the plan, and they were asking me to do something for them. And I said, look, the denomination that you're with, that plan, you, you can't beat that plan. So there's nothing I can do for you. I'll just help you manage what's in that plan as part of, of my service to you guys. And so that's what we did. So when my friend asked and, and I said, yeah, I, I know what, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he basically requested that I build him a plan, but not just for his church, but for all the other, and it, it was a Calvary Chapel church. So that's a huge church. There's probably 2000 Calvary chapels across the world. I think there's over eight, about 1800 just in the U.S. alone. Anyway, so he said, hey, but I wanted to benefit any other Calvary Chapel that would like to participate. So I built a multiple employer 403B9 plan that provides all the benefits for pastors. It gets pretty technical in there. We don't need to get into it now, but we've now got a little over 100 churches from Hawaii to New Jersey, from Florida to Oregon. I mean, basically crisscrossing the country. And so, yeah, it's been great. Doug, it's great that you've put the time into it. And I think it's really cool that you sort of felt a calling after your uncle passed away and you're helping a lot of people because of this. I know personally from working for a firm years ago that was a TPA and also an RIA. And it seemed like every year a church would call and ask, hey, do you have something for us? And we always were like, yeah, but no, it's like way too expensive. We can't, it it doesn't make sense. So I just think it's fabulous and I'm happy to hear it. It's really great. And I'll make sure all of the info is in the show notes, of course. So is it for any denomination, like any church? Do you have to have a certain amount of churches, you know, under your denomination? How's that work? A lot of non-denominational churches, but I've got three that I'm looking at right now that we're putting together. One's actually for a synagogue. So I can actually replicate that for the Jewish community, which we're looking at doing. Gentleman out of New York contacted me. So we're, we're working with him on that. And I've got two other ones that are just, they're all separate denominations. So we can customize it specifically for their denomination. And one, it only has like 25, 30 churches in it, but we can still do that for them. And they can get all the benefits and all the cost savings because our platform that we're on is pretty substantial. And uh, we're able to get some pretty good pricing. All right. So there's one more thing I wanted to ask. We talked in the pre-podcast about before I let you go here. And it was an acronym. I think it was ACBC. Can you let us know, let, let the audience know what that is? It's called ACBC. 
Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And that is a tremendous ministry that it basically uses in the Bible to counsel people with issues that they're, they're struggling with. And so there's a certification process for that. You can't just say, hey, hey, I'm a biblical counselor now, right? Um, I've done a couple classes and that's it. It's, it's actually more robust in that you go through an initial 30 or 40 hour worth of training. You go through a bunch of reading and study material. Um, then you have to pass a, an exam. There's a two-part exam. It's a theological exam is the first part. And then the second part is a counseling, and they go through several case scenarios that you've got to provide biblical guidance through and how you would handle those cases. So all in all, you got about 45 questions. Each question will necessitate somewhere between one and a half to about two pages worth of answers for each question. Whoa, no multiple choice? Doubt. No. Believe me, I wish it was. It would have been great. Way easier. <laughs> oh, man. And... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so it ended up being, like I said, you're talking 85 to 95 pages. It's a pretty big document by the time you're all said and done, you've answered everything. And then after that, you have 50 hours worth of supervision that you've got to go to. I'm fortunate enough that the master's university is right around the corner and, and one of their professors is on their board as a what they call a fellow, a supervisor. So he and I have been meeting and Lord willing, I should be able to get my certification here. Well, I think you told me that your wife, Joanne of 30 years, um, is already certified. So she can pull you across the finish line, hopefully. I want to say one more thing besides thank you so much for spending time with me today. I would like to have you back at some point because I'd love to hear about your career with the San Diego PD SWAT team, that life before the year 2000 when you decided to become a financial advisor and go on the path that you're on now. So please come back and take good care. Well. My pleasure being here. I appreciate the time and um, I hope what I provided is useful to those that are listening. So I'm sure it will be dug unless I completely screw it up. <laughs> I doubt that. This recording has been prepared and made available by RiskPro to be used for information purposes only. RiskPro is an investment risk profiling and portfolio construction software as a service platform developed by Pro Tools LLC. The information contained herein, including any expression of opinion, has been obtained from or is based on sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy or completeness is not guaranteed and is subject to change without notice. Any expressions of opinions reflect the views of the speakers and are not necessarily those of Pro Tools LLC or its affiliates. Pro Tools does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Investors should consult their financial, tax, or legal professionals before investing.